Hi, everyone, and welcome to On Air with Air Cargo World, the podcast of Air Cargo World. Since 1941, the leading magazine for the air freight industry. I'm Charles Kaufman, your host, and Air Cargo World's senior editor. I'm joined today by my fellow editors, Karen Lindson and associate editor Jeff Lee. Welcome, Karen and Jeff. Hey, Charles. Hello. This is the weekly wrap of what's happening in air cargo for the week of August 10th, 2020. Can't believe it's August 10th already. Today is Friday, August 14th, 2020. Um, you know, so given that we're, we're halfway through the summer, uh, it's been summer already, um, which again, I, I find shocking. I, I don't know where time has, has gone by. Um, but you know, that also means that we, we have a, a good mix of results from major carriers and, and airports in the, uh, in the, the sector, uh, for, through, through the second quarter of this year. Uh, Jeff, I know you have really been covering, uh, cargo traffic and, and second quarter results for carriers based in the Asia Pacific region. Uh, of course, these carriers are heavily involved in some of the, the industry's more important uh, trade lanes, um, whether those be between Asia and Europe or um, Asia and, and North America. Um, you know, a couple points that stuck out to me, Cathay Pacific, Hong Kong-based Cathay Pacific, um, actually saw their, their cargo traffic drop um, year to date uh, for the, the first six months of the, the year by a pretty astounding 24.6%. Uh, to 4.1 billion FTKs, um, you know, with, with much of that drop, uh, stemming from, uh, a much lower result in the second quarter. Uh, in contrast, Korean Air, um, saw traffic growth during the same period of FT with cargo traffic up 17.3%, uh, to over 2 billion FTKs. And uh, so for the first time in, in recent memory, uh, Cathay Pacific actually looks, um, or smaller and performed, uh, uh, you know, uh, worse than, uh, than Korean Air. And if we look at some of the other carriers you've reported on, uh, Taiwan based China Airlines and, and EVA, they also saw, um, rather robust traffic growth in the second quarter. Uh, so I'm curious, what are some of the factors that, that you feel um, contribute to Cathay's comparably poor result in the second quarter? Um, yeah, it's been interesting, and it's also been a bit surprising um, that Cathay fell by so much compared with um, these other carriers. I mean, Cathay was always way above um, all of them in terms of FTKs, um, you know, up until the end of 2019. Um, and then, you know, in the first quarter, it dropped significantly and dropped further in the second quarter. Whereas um, Korean, actually Korean, Air, China Airlines and EVA were, they all registered increases going from the first quarter to the second quarter. Um, and of course, China Airlines was, probably the most impressive. Um, but, I mean, I think part of that was because they just operated more cargo-only flights with their passenger aircraft. 
um, even though Cafe actually began in late March, um, I think the scale of their passenger freighter network was just um, a bit smaller than than Korean and China Airlines. Um, and of course, EVA um, registered a small increase, but that was impressive considering their small freighter fleet of only five triple uh, seven freighters and just a smaller passenger fleet. Um, so, I mean, although Cathay from September, interestingly, will have a new um, cargo director um, and, you know, we'll see whether having a, a senior senior management member um, devoted to, to the cargo business, um, how that will affect their their every business um, in the third and fourth quarters. All right. So you, you mentioned the, the willingness of some carriers to reconfigure aircraft, um, uh, passenger aircraft as, as freighters or uh, for, for cargo only use. So do you think this is this cafe's result? Does it speak to kind of their expectations for for uh, recovery of aviation in, in general? I mean, are we are we seeing you know, kind of how, how these varied expectations have played out? Um, actually, yes. On that point, interestingly, Cathay, Korean, China Airlines, uh, yeah, and China Airlines, n- none of them um, re- reconfigured their passenger airplanes um, in, you know, in the first or second quarters. Um, Cathay only reconfigured two in, in starting in July and Korean is well it will soon have a reconfigured triple seven three hundred but not yet and certainly not in the second quarter. Um and neither did China Airlines. So the the reliance of all these carriers on their freighted aircraft um is still pretty significant. Um EVA did reconfigure one triple seven but um again they given the relatively smaller fleets, um I think it's impressive that they still managed uh an increase in FTKs. Yeah, that is that is impressive with uh with five triple sevens. Uh so we've seen varied results in terms of traffic performance. Uh looking at second quarter cargo yields. Uh, were they were they more uniform, or did they also vary across the board from carrier to carrier? Um, there were some variations, but I think generally this was perhaps uh, the picture was less uh, divided, and and they weren't the only ones. I'm sure most airlines um, around the world would have registered uh, increases in cargo yield um, simply because of the the amount, the capacity crunch. Um, and the limited capacity um, everywhere, basically. And so that's why um, cargo revenues increased by quite a bit um, for, for everyone, um, including Cafe. But it wasn't enough to, to offset that loss that they had on the, on the passenger side. And let's not forget Cafe was already um, facing other kinds of difficulties even before the, before the pandemic. 
All right. Thank you, Jeff. And I'd like to shift gears now and look at some of the commodities that are, are moving by air. Um, pharmaceuticals are, are obviously a, an important vertical uh, for, for air freight uh, year round and, and have been for, for some time uh, an important focus. Um, but increasingly so, vaccines are, are, are coming into, uh, into the spotlight, um, particularly as, as the world um, prepares for the, the first COVID-19 vaccines or um, prepares for vaccines that, that hopefully will, will come. Um, so, Karen, you've been following the space quite closely um, you know, with, uh, with UPS prepping freezer farms for, uh, for, for a potential vaccine. Um, and then you also have, um, you've covered some other carriers uh, such as Airbridge Cargo that are are um, shipping regularly shipping vaccines and are preparing for uh, COVID nineteen vaccine. Uh, I'm curious, why is it that you you think UPS and and ABC think they're they're going to see uh, a share of potential vaccine shipments? Right. So, uh, kind of like you implied, this will be something that we hopefully can look forward to in the future. Obviously, vaccines are still in development uh, with in countries all around the world. Um, yeah, Airbridge Cargo was kind of interesting. Uh, they recently moved some uh, yellow fever vaccines for UNICEF. And it uh, it's definitely the impression that they're kind of signaling that they are prepared to move these vaccines once they're available. And uh, just like UPS, uh, it's important to, you know, be ready once something is available for distribution around the world. Uh, regarding why these specific companies are uh, are operating with the expectation that they'll be involved, I think if we, you know, if we look at, at what has been happening in air freight so far this year during the pandemic, uh, we've seen... You know, uh, Project Airbridge is one example with the, uh, the U.S. government operating with, uh, with some of the private carriers to ship, uh, personal protective equipment by air into the U.S. Uh, even before that, there was, uh, there were shipments, you know, uh, since China was hit earlier than the U.S., uh, there were shipments by air of PPE into China. So because of the, you know, the, uh, the, quick shipment timing that is needed to kind of get this equipment where it needs to be. Uh, I think it's it's fair to expect that air freight is going to play a large role once uh, vaccines are available for distribution. Right, definitely an interesting parallel between uh, the PPE shipments that we, we, we saw really heighten earlier this year and and the potential um, vaccine shipments that, that maybe coming along at a, at a later point. Karen, do you think air freight will have sufficient capacity uh, to handle these vaccine shipments if they do materialize? I mean, that's kind of been the question of the year. You know, how much capacity can we get out of the air freight market? Uh, and given how quickly carriers were able to respond, you know, as passenger traffic has plummeted and suddenly all these planes are grounded by instituting, you know, some pretty creative measures, especially the use of passenger planes as freighters, sometimes even, you know, partially converted, removing the seats on the main deck. Um, 
I think it's pretty likely that these carriers are going to be willing to to adapt their uh, to adapt their planes and their networks to kind of transport these vaccines. Uh, either well, I'm sure that they'll be you know alongside some scheduled uh, services that we've seen from carriers like Emirates that uh, introduce pretty robust uh, passenger freighter schedules. And then the the really large number of uh, of cargo charters as well, using the, these planes as well as uh, actual freighters. So I think that, of course, it's likely that there will be an ongoing capacity crunch, but uh, they're going to definitely uh, adapt their networks to increase capacity as much as possible. Right, so it's it's definitely uh, something the the industry is is uh, going to be watching closely as um, as some of the the uh, trial vaccines um, come into play. Um, shifting gears a bit, we have a a major election coming up in the United States. Uh, and Karen, I know you you've also spent a bit of time looking at uh, looking back at uh, campaign finance. Um, over the course of a few major election cycles. And looking at, at 2020, you've seen quite a shift in, in, in PAC contributions. Uh, could you contextualize these figures a bit for us? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so I did a review uh, PAC spending uh, for PACs associated with uh, air transport companies. Mostly this is the major airlines as well as uh, some other aerospace companies and manufacturers. And uh, it's not surprising to note that uh, generally, whether a general or a midterm election, um, contributions to Republican candidates are uh, tend to outweigh contributions to Democrats in, who are up for federal office. Uh, there are a couple of uh, noteworthy election cycles where this kind of departs from the norm. And uh, the current one is one of these kind of interesting cycles where uh, rather than a roughly uh, two thirds split toward Republicans, we're getting much closer to, to parity. Um, so uh, before this recent election year, 2020, um, it had been a decade since we since we saw Democrats uh, with as large of a share of a PAC contributions as as they're seeing this year. And uh, of course, that was under the Obama presidency, the midterm election. And prior to that, the 2008 election also saw a pretty even split. So, uh, yeah, this year, uh, of course, there's still some months ago ahead of the election and the data that that we were able to to find uh, was released um, up to June 26th. So it's very possible that this could shift. But in the meantime, it's looking like the industry is uh, definitely shifting more toward a larger share of uh, Democratic support in the the election. All right. Quite quite a lot going on this week. Uh, Karen and Jeff, thank you for sharing. Uh, Looking ahead to next week, uh, what what are you what are you following? What's on top? Yeah. So next week, uh, I mean, as we we discussed earlier, uh, it's it's earnings season right now, so most of the major carriers and forwarders have either already released their results or uh, will be doing so very shortly. 
And uh, with, you know, the second quarter behind them, we're well into the third quarter. And so, of course, peak season is going to be coming up. And in such an unusual year for the industry, um, I think we'll be taking a look at, you know, how this peak season might differ from others. Uh, we already talked about the capacity crunch that seems unlikely to change for this peak season. So it should be interesting and we'll, uh, we'll be looking at some of the concerns that, uh, forwarders and carriers have for this peak season. All right. Yeah. It's definitely, uh, a peak season without a, without a playbook, um, that is, uh, you know, as detailed as, as what we've, what we've relied on in the past. So it could be, a very interesting year, especially if if we see a, a vaccine into the mix uh, before before the year's over. Well, thank you both for for joining us today. That does uh, that about does it for us. And I'd also like to thank Air Cargo World's uh, key sponsors: Alaska Air Cargo, Hawaiian Hawaiian Air Cargo, Swiss World Cargo, Southwest Cargo, American Airlines Cargo, and Incheon Airport. Uh, join us. Uh, in, in a couple of weeks on the Air Cargo World Weekly Wrap. Thanks, Charles.